Hello, and welcome to In the Limelight, Vanity Fair's entertainment and pop culture podcast. I'm Josh Duba, Vanity Fair senior writer, and I'm here with Julie Miller, Vanity Fair senior Hollywood writer. On In the Limelight, we analyze the ins and outs of pop culture, entertainment, and celebrity from the past week, from the Kardashians to Kate Middleton and everything in between. We're both very excited about the special guest who came by the studio last week to chat with Julie and me, Jodie Comer, a star of Killing Eve, who plays Villanelle. We talked about all kinds of things, right, Julie? Uh, we talked about San- Truly. <laughs> working with Sandra O, oh, her co-star. We talked about what's coming up for season two, which just started this past Sunday night. We talked about Crocs, a whole tangent there. Um, but we're really excited to have that interview with Jody to share with you guys. But first, we're going to briefly discuss Harry and Meghan's change of location. Very exciting. I like how change of location makes it sound like when you're going to a party and someone emails you the minute before (laughs) we're actually meeting up at the bar down the street. Uh, So, Julie, we've talked about this a lot, but they officially have moved out of Kensington Palace. They live separately now. First of all, I want to know what you bought them as a housewarming gift and had shipped via Amazon to greet them. A new box of heat warmers that they can keep by the front door to offer any employees working outside. What did you get them, Josh? I got them in a similar vein, one of those, you know, wine club where people give a gift where you get sent a bottle of wine a month. I did that, but for banana crates. (laughs) So they now get a new shipment of bananas every month. And I, I think you actually started up a company so that you yeah. could offer them the subscription <laughs> banana service. Wow. Right. Subscription service with the people who get sent wine a month. But Megan would way prefer bananas, I believe. Oh, uh, my gosh. Well, we know who's getting the first invitation. I over. love I just want to <laughs> clarify, Julian, I did not come up with those in advance. We just had those at the top of our heads. This heartfelt. Um, our minds have never worked faster. That's actually <laughs> true. So... People, many other outlets have confirmed that Harry and Meghan officially moved into this cottage. A quick refresher. We've talked about this on the podcast before, but Frogmore Cottage is close to the where their wedding took place. It's very close to the house where their evening wedding reception in particular happened. It's 25 miles west of London. Uh, their spokesman said it's a very special place for the couple. They previously lived right next to William and Kate, essentially, in Nottingham Cottage in Kensington Palace. But that was a two-bedroom home, which clearly was not going to work. And Julie, what an upbeat quote from this people source. This is a very happy time for Meghan and Harry. This baby has brought them even closer. Things are good. Josh has written underneath that in all caps, no drama here or anywhere. I know they've done a really nice job in the past few weeks kind of separating Harry and Meghan from the chaos, especially the chaos swirling around Kate and William in that rumor yes, of the affair. Exactly. And I think I also just, when you said that, it made me think about the Instagram launching last week. Now they've moved homes. Soon they're going to have the baby. Really good PR right now going on for Harry and Meghan. I know, because for a while there, it was kind of a hurricane. Yeah, her, it was she literally, she hurricane. was deemed Hurricane Meghan. <laughs> Completely off the rails, like problematic family members coming out of the woodwork. And here, they've really done a nice job. They've done a really good PR turnaround. Because I think whenever we used to talk about some of the more detrimental crazy reports we always would ask each other what could they possibly do to turn things around and i would always be like 
Kate and Megan should go get sushi and they should be photographed together. But I feel as if they did this very subtly where things have just, even around the baby shower, there was kind of a lot of skeptical PR. But I feel as if now things have evened out. But I feel like there's going to be so much up and down over the next couple of years with these two that we're in a good place now. We can, whoever knows what's coming. Uh, Right. We, we got a lot of feedback from listeners who said they were very relieved. Megan was already in the new house. They had made similar moves while pregnant and said there's nothing worse than having to undergo the chaos mm-hmm. and stress of that. So let's share a little bit more about what this new house they've moved into is all about. Complete with a new green energy center, just like my studio apartment. <laughs> a springy floating floor, which people notes is perfect for yoga and non-toxic paint. The cottage marries English and California style. Would not expect anything less from our Megan. Insiders say the couple have been overseeing last-minute touches, including bookcases built into alcoves, a custom kitchen and dining room where Harry plans to do some entertaining, including hunting parties, says one pal. I was surprised by this report that a source close to the couple, he, I guess, was asked, oh, Harry still hunts. And the person said, almost in awe, like, Megan doesn't tell him what to do. Of course he still hunts. Did you see that? No. It was interesting to me. Was it an anonymous quote or did the person identify It was an anonymous quote sourced close to the couple. Interesting. I thought it was interesting even in this sort of puff piece, people.com write-up, that they made a point of saying that he's going to have hunting parties. Uh, right. They have got Olivia Pope behind the scenes, crisis managing the situation. And I just want her to know, Josh and I see your work and we commend you. And Megan, when we come, when Julie and I come to visit, we will definitely bring some seedlings for your new garden. <laughs> what persona right. What persona am I taking on right now? Uh, but Harry and Megan apparently <laughs> are going to have an organic vegetable plot created in the garden of their new home. Again, Olivia Pope behind all of this. There was a whole news cycle today about this garden. The Duchess has a passion for cooking, so it was suggested to include a small plot in the spacious garden where they can grow some of their own produce. She regularly cooks for Prince Harry, and the cottage will be the perfect place for her to prepare meals with some homegrown produce from their own garden. It's understood she wants to be able to grow vegetables, herbs, and soft fruits. Uh, Wow. Yeah, I mean... Oh, sorry. And then also, oh, Megan spoke before about her passion for gardening and said in an old interview, love an old interview quote from Megan getting brought back out. Growing up in Southern California, I love gardening and growing my own vegetables. That farm to table ethos was ingrained at such a young age. I love it. It's so her. Um, I have to say that in the script, the next line is... is <laughs> Per Josh. Meanwhile, Kate and William are growing a giant hedge. I mean, <laughs> with a million exclamation points and question marks after. I don't know anything. About I wasn't this, even so going to. to I wasn't hedge. even going to include this, but then somehow I was thinking about us discussing this Megan and Harry garden, and this is almost like a parallel. What's going on in the greenery over at back where Kate and William are? You know, in a TV show where you would flash back and forth, kind of thing. I feel it's very interesting that these things are happening at the same time. So the same day we get this report about the um, Harry Meghan garden, Daily Mail tells us that Kensington Palace, where Kate and William are now just chilling on their own, not literally, but figuratively, uh, <laughs> the they are building, an, are constructing, or planting is the right word, a 950-foot hedge in their back garden. 
and the idea is to block photographers from snapping shots of the pair as they get into their royal helicopter on the field. So this is a paparazzi blocking giant hedge. Um, And the Daily Mail says the hedge in question is currently three feet high, but will eventually, quote, shoot up to above head height. That is a fast-growing hedge. Um, I know. And what I kind love of that. Right. Hormones? Do they have this hedge on? And I lo- also I love that this podcast has mutated into a royal horticulture podcast program. You know, it's like a botany Q and A. Um, but <laughs> I know we have more too. The 950 foot hedge might seem if if that size seems excessive. The Daily Mail explains it's necessary due to the vast size of the field which extends from the palace to the east. Julie, does it seem strange to you? Do you think this is a nice sort of like necessary paparazzi blocking, tabloid photographer blocking, tourist blocking move? I I don't even know. I don't even know what to say here. What do other royal or what do other famous couples do to block those helicopter shots? The Daily Mail was leaning, I felt, into obviously as ever the drama and conflict of it so they were stressing the expense of building it they were almost framing it like they're building a wall to keep the hoi polloi out or something uh which seems not really what's going on but i get i get why they leaned into that angle right i mean it is interesting it is interesting timing given that Kate and William are not in a great place right now PR-wise. And I feel not that this really is going to get much traction, I don't think, as a story. But it's just interesting that they, they continue to have these kind of weird stories about them that are coming out. Right. It seems kind of symbolic or something now that Megan and yeah, Harry now are they're opening themselves up to the world that Kate and William are erecting. Are putting up a giant hedge. Exactly. Um, and And the palace gave a kind of very corporate speak statement to the Daily Mail too. As part of the broader management of the estate, the physical surroundings of royal residences are under constant review. From time to time, adjustments are made to the landscaping gardens, including hedging. I hate the statement. I'm sorry. I don't like the person who wrote this. This is the most ridiculous statement I've ever seen. <laughs> you know, it's like evasive without even... For something so silly. It, it just, They're it's the hedging about hedging. Yeah. And with that, we end the segment. <laughs> Wait, no, nothing gets better than that. They're hedging about hedging. We're so excited to hear what you think of Jody. We hope you love Killing Eve as much as we do. And if for any reason you don't, definitely check it out. Josh and I give this series our full stamp of approval. Full endorsement. Definitely, definitely you should watch the show. And uh, Jody's so delightful. We had so much fun talking to her. And we hope you enjoy the interview. So we're so excited to have Jodie Comer on today from Killing Eve. We're both huge fans, Julie and I, of the show and of your performance on the show. Season two, I've seen the first two episodes. I think, Julie, you've seen the first one from season two. Yes. Did you Um, like them? Oh, my God. Did (laughs) I like them? I was, like, so upset that I can't continue to now go on to (laughs) episode three. I feel like this show is so, I mean, it's, like, 
just season one was the same way, obviously, where just it ends and you're like immediately needing to know. I feel like they each end on such a cliffhanger moment, kind of, you yeah, know. Yeah, they're very clever in the way that they, they plan that out. But um, that's good. That's a good sign. Have you seen all the episodes of season two? Or how, when do you, do you watch yourself? I know actresses and have different feelings about this. I do. Yeah. I do. Um, purely because I do think it is helpful sometimes to, because I think you can pick up habits that are more Jodie habits than character habits. Um, um, so it's good to just see it and also look at everyone else's work. You know, when you're doing your own scenes, you don't get to see... What's going like on that, in the show yeah, and the other the plot lines. Yeah. yeah, so um, I do for that reason, but I, I, I would watch it on my own, you know, through through my fingers. But <laughs> yeah. I've, I've seen the first uh, four episodes so far. Yeah, oh. first four. Oh, wow. So you still have a, little, a few episodes to yeah. see as well. I'm like, I email them every day like, hello, do we have five and six yet? Um, but yeah, they're still still. Are adding. your family and friends just constantly trying to get like information from you about like what's going to be happening or what like stuff your character is going to get up to? Are people on you or are people good about waiting to see it themselves? Yeah, no, they're good at waiting. It's yeah. it's kind of the opposite. They're like, don't tell me. Don't, I don't want to hear it. La, 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 la. Oh, um, they don't want to be spoiled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially my dad because I say to my dad, you know, I've got the scripts there. If you wanna, if you wanna read them, and he's like, no, 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 I'll, I'll, um, I'll wait till it comes out. So yeah, people are generally very well behaved. I'm curious though, if, considering what Villanelle gets up to on the show, do your family and friends is it ever like <laughs> shocking for them to see the stuff your character is doing? Are they like, I mean, it must be kind of to see you killing people, doing the stuff that obviously you get up to. It must yeah. be kind of interesting for people to know you, right? I remember my friends at school were always like, "Why do you always play these people? Like, it's <laughs> never like a straight laced person. There's always something kind of crazy or, or weird going on." Um, yeah, and I think there are definite moments where my dad just gives me a look across the living room and he's like where does this come from um but they really enjoy it you know especially because I think Villanelle is kind of so stand out in her own way of just who she is and and the show itself you know like you say is is so unique it allows people to just really have so much fun and enjoy it and just yeah. kind of yeah just enjoy it are people who meet you for the first time scared of you because your your character is frightening and it's it's surprising to talk to you? I, like I understand how acting works, obviously, but you're so sweet. People are some people are a little bit cautious, but then, I mean, I like to think that the majority of the world can make the separation of TV and and, and real life. Although some people very like clearly, very clearly yes. don't. Um, so people sometimes will usually, I will just notice that someone's maybe giving me like a look across the room as if to say, is it her? <laughs> um, but yeah, I think mostly people can make, can uh, make the separation. Just to channel that sort of like psychopath on right. set, do you, how, where, where do you, how do you get there? Is there music? Do you have like like a spiritual like guide or like how do you like how do you find that channel that? I wish I did have a spiritual guide how can I get one of them can you buy one of them yeah I don't um, know I think it's tricky because with each day is a completely different experience like kind of accessing certain emotions sometimes comes very easily and can be quite surprising you know you're like whoa where did that where did I get that from like where is that kind of sitting within myself and then other days it's a lot more difficult um I try to leave a lot to the moment. Yeah. Um, you know, I have my ideas and my instincts about how I want to play things. I know my lines and then, but I definitely do enjoy the experience of working with a director and 
them maybe having a different thought or something that's totally different to the way I've interpreted it. Um, but I feel like I get to express so much through her, you know, of my own yeah. emotion that it's quite um, quite cathartic in a way. I wish I had something like that, I feel like, to channel Same. my like, daily stresses. Yeah, it's it's like some days when we've done the prison stuff, like when she's like, take me to the hall. Oh, I remember man. doing it and just screaming <laughs> off the top of my lungs. And I was like, yes, like it just felt so good to, um, you know, you get to do things that in, in the normal world people would stare at you for and, and, yeah. and, and <laughs> judge you for. Well, even Villanelle's relationship is so amazing to watch. It's unlike any relationship, especially between amazing complex females I've seen on television. Mm-hmm. How was it pitched to you by Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who created the series? And also, follow up, what is your and Sandra's relationship like? In answer to your first question in and how the show was pitched, I actually cannot remember. <laughs> it feels like a lifetime ago, but um, I remember getting the... F- the email through for Killing Eve and I seen Phoebe's name and I immediately got excited because I, I loved Fleabag so much but then I read Russian Assassin and I thought oh god like <laughs> my immediate so reaction good. was kind of def- I deflated a little bit because I was like oh I'm not you know this you know sexy cat like I was thinking how much nudity is there gonna be you know she's gonna be in six inch heels for the whole series like yeah. um and then her was this character who was practical, she was funny, she was witty, she was awful, but she was relatable. There was humanity in her. And I immediately was like, this is a bold, fresh take on, you know, a, a female assassin, that, that particular genre. So I I can't remember how it was pitched, but I remember that's what I immediately was um, was drawn to. And... Sandra's fantastic. I mean, the moment I met her, I met her for my second audition in LA. I flew out for one day. I was on holiday with a friend and I got a call to say that I had to go to LA to read with with Sandra. Um, And we did the scene from episode five where they meet for the first time. And she got all the props. um, So there was like cutlery plates, like uh, there was like a pie for me to eat and oh my god yeah and that's very rare like I've never had that experience before of Sandra really really cares about the work and I know that she would have gave that attention and care to every actress that went in the room that day so we just got on immediately I mean it was very evident from the audition that we had chemistry and there was a trust there especially for just knowing someone for you know you know for the first five yeah. minutes and that just continued, you know, throughout filming, um, even though we didn't spend an awful lot of time together because our characters were separated so much. It's um, it's just something that has continued uh, to get stronger. It's nice to have someone, you know, around you like her. Had you seen her work in Grey's Anatomy and all this kind of things she had done before meeting her? Or? I hadn't. Which I was glad of actually yeah. when I met her because I'd I'd heard so much about her and knew how much she was loved and and uh, my my friend Liv she had and she was like what you've never <laughs> seen it like Christina this is crazy yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so but I was kind of glad because I went in the room with no expectation um, and I Sandra hadn't seen anything I'd done like naturally because I hadn't you know I was still kind of starting out so it was kind of like a we just came to it with you know like like a blank canvas kind of thing and. And Sandra knows I haven't watched it, and she was like, girl, 
Save it for a day when you like break your leg and you're in bed for like six months. <laughs> you know, like save it for a rainy day. And I was like, okay, perfect. The show's so gorgeously shot. I love the locations, even the opening credits, mm. the writing, the acting. Everything's beautiful. The but they're definitely of that. yeah. Like when they show right. you where it's the so cities cool. are, yeah. But your character jolts me out of it occasionally. All the beauty with I'm these sorry. grisly murders, <laughs> like that eye stabbing. I'm oh, curious yeah. for you, what was the most difficult, cringy to film? Which of your cringy? murders? Cringy? Oh my god, nothing's cringy. I like revel in it so much. <laughs> Um, I love that. I would not. I would not yeah. be like that at all. Like, I, would, I get so like no. Worried like kill days on set are the best days. It's like oh my god. Yeah. yeah. Purely because as well, I think what you know, Phoebe and now Emerald has has really captured is that it's never you know. I think Villanelle views herself as an artist in that way. It's so thought out and you know so meticulously, and nothing is ever as it is expected. So. Mm. It's always surprising, and um, one that was funny, and I guess it wasn't cringe. Well, I guess it could be. Was the uh, the hot medica, uh-huh. um, where she clamps the guy's yes. private parts? Because <laughs> um, <laughs> that was outrageous, and I remember getting on the script, and I was like, "Oh my god, Phoebe's really playing with us here." Um, so just those kind of absurd, you know, those kind of absurd moments are just so brilliant. My favorite kill is Bill's. Um, it was the one kill that I watched and I was like, Villanelle, you shouldn't have done that. I remember being so Too shocked far. when that happened. Yeah. Right. I just Me was too. like, because I thought he was going to be like a main character in the, yeah. se- in the season and like maybe there was going to be yeah. a romance with him and yeah. um, Eve or something. I don't know. And yeah, then all yeah, of a sudden yeah. he's just he's gone. gone. Yeah. And you're like, whoa, wait. I know. There was a couple of characters that that happened to in season one. And then by the end of season one, we were like, why are we killing off all the great people? <laughs> <laughs> all the wonderful actors. But you're right. It, it creates an excitement about the show. And because you just don't know anyone if anyone's safe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you also, one of the things that I feel like has gotten attention and is so fun is Villanelle's fashion. Yeah. Um, obviously, the pink dress was like an iconic look. Mm-hmm. I feel like I saw, um, was it the Oscars maybe, where everyone was wearing the pink dresses <laughs> yeah. and they were like showing it next to it. Yeah. Um, what outfit would you say is your, do you have like one that's your favorite that just like you wore and you were just like, this is everything for me From right season now. one. Or if you can tease anything from season two without giving anything away, if, if it's yeah. from either season, yeah. Well, there's a, uh, from season one, it's the, uh, again, sorry, Bill, it's the suit that I killed Bill in. <laughs> Um, wow. This was a Dries Van Nelton suit, and it was like, it kind of looked like a jig, it was like, it didn't look like a jigsaw puzzle, but it kind of did. Um, but I just felt so comfortable in it, and mm. she wore it with like Doc Martin boots, and there was something about being in Berlin and wearing I, this cool suit. Yeah, yeah and yeah. I think as well by that part of the show, I felt like I was really finding her, and I just felt really comfortable in that. Um, in season two, there was a questionable outfit in um, in episode two, actually. Oh, no, episode one. Episode one. Uh, Villanelle is um, extremely ill and, and, and finds herself in a, in a hospital in Paris, and she befriends a young boy who is um, in the bed next to her. And uh, <laughs> he lends her some pyjamas. Um, and then these pyjamas then become heavily featured within the first um They're wild, episode. having seen the episode. Yeah. I, w- I mean, I seen the fabric when they showed <laughs> me the fabric for them. And I was like, they were like, yeah, so this boy is 10 years old and you're going to be wearing them. And I was like, great. <laughs> this, is, this outfit is going to be very unforgiving. <laughs> By the time this airs, I think 
the first episode will have aired, so we can also tease the Crocs moment, which oh, yeah. was so funny to me. Uh, how did but that come about? Was that in the script? Was it was it? in the script, yeah. yeah. That was Emerald. And what I love about it is it's so relatable. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like everyone's slightly terrified of Crocs. I don't think I've ever... Have you, Julie? I don't think I've ever worn Crocs in my... Out, definitely no. not in public. I don't no, even... No, no, no. Not in private either, actually. I don't no. know why I said it that way. Had, had you, <laughs> you ever... You just busted yourself. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that was definitely a tell there. I did not mean to reveal that. That on air, so now it's out, now yeah, it's out there in the world, and there's nothing I can do to take it back. In the, in the comfort of my home, it's all Crocs for me. Yeah. Well, what I loved about it because then the, the became this whole conversation about what Crocs they should be, and I was like, they should definitely have those super annoying like sticker badges that people buy for them, like to customize them. I I hadn't actually seen that until the episode. That <laughs> yeah. that's crazy when they have you the should, little now now for my own at right. home. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to get on that. <laughs> And also just the fact of, like, of all the things that could anger her or repulse her, it's a pair of Crocs. Yeah. You know? It's the little things. That relationship with that guy in the bed next to her was so interesting to me, too, because it's so quick, the chemistry, I feel like. And then by the end of the episode, you're like, wow, this is, like, a great friendship. And then she obviously turns on him. What was that like to work with him and work through that? Because I feel like there's always these moments to me of Villanelle being, like, you you obviously love her and relate to her, even though she's doing these horrible things, and it's such mm-hmm. an interesting balance. Well, that's what we've really tried to explore within the series, because I feel, especially within series two, is because I feel like a lot of viewers they 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 have moments where they go, oh, "I see it, I see this this human, this person," and then she does something, and, and they go, the, yeah. "Oh no, yeah. I got it so wrong." Um, so we've really kind of delved into those moments within series two. But what I found fascinating about the relationship that she creates with this boy in the hospital is that it kind of reminded me a little bit of the relationship that she creates with Constantine's daughter. At the, the finale yeah, of season there is, one, yeah. You know, there is a very childlike um, quality to Villanelle and it somehow feels that when, even though she hates children, <laughs> some she, like I feel like when she's around them, she can't help but be seen and understood a little bit. Yeah. Um, but again, you're right, you know, she creates this relationship, but then ultimately uses this boy for her own advantage. You know, there's a moment where he's like, you know, I'm in so much pain, blah, 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 blah. And she's like, can you walk? And she's like, great, like, you're going to help me out here. Um, and puts him through agony for her own, um, you know. Purposes. Advantage. Yeah, exactly. Do you think of her as a villain? Or do you think of her, because you play her, do you have to think of her in some sort of more human way? It's hard because, like, on paper, I hate that saying, but like, <laughs> like she should be the villain, yeah. You know, but I, I feel like people find themselves sometimes rooting for her and understanding her decisions. You know, yeah. especially if there's something epic that happens in episode one, and um, you know, it's that you can't help but kind of see why she does it. Yeah, you know, and it's that kind of twisted thing that has the audience questioning themselves but and understanding this person who should black and white be awful and she is terrible like don't get me wrong but (laughs) I think there are a lot of redeemable qualities about her and I think you know the audience can can have fun through her and I think you can't help but enjoy her yeah yeah who's been the most surprising person you've learned as a fan of the show I had a a kind of very surreal experience a couple of days ago. I was in the lobby of a hotel and quite literally bumped into Dame Helen Mirren. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's Julie's like fantasy oh, yeah. come true. That yeah. is everything. Yeah. Yes. She's and, amazing. Uh, yeah. yeah. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> How'd you, how'd you and she was like, I know, I feel the exact same. And I was like, no! I didn't say that out loud, but like that's what I was doing inside my brain. Oh my and then God. I skipped to my hotel room. Um, so that was, that was, that was very, very surreal. You know, just to know that someone who you kind of admire and look up to as much as her has, has, has seen something is like, what? But it, I mean, it just feels like everyone has kind of championed it. It's There's been so many, truthfully, to kind of remember, but it's, um, yeah, I mean, it's fantastic. Oh my gosh, damn, Helen Mirren, my queen. That's like Beyonce. <laughs> I, literally, though, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I'm just trying to play it cool. I don't think I did, though. I'm sure. I feel like it always feels, whenever, that, uh, yeah, it's hard to keep it together. Yeah, I'm yeah, sure. yeah. yeah. <laughs> What did she say exactly? Just she she had just seen the show. She was a yeah, fan. Yeah, she was just a fan and a fan, and then we just just started having like a a lift conversation. Oh we were in the God. lift for oh. a little bit. Oh, um, yeah, no, she was just very complimentary. Um, yeah, kind of pinch me moment. Come, going into season two, is it does it feel different because of all the kind of amazing attention the show's gotten and all of that? Like, does it feel different to you somehow now? Is it like now because I think season one, obviously, people were just discovering it and of it was course. this show. Now it's sort of like out there in this very kind of yeah. It's been the awards, the acclaim. Does it? How does that? Does it feel different to you? I think the only difference is that like what was wonderful about the first season was that it was a surprise to us all. Yeah, you know, like we you know, believed in Phoebe and the, you know, the the cast and the entire crew and we knew it was special, but you just don't know how things are going to land, especially with how much content there is now. Whereas now, there is an obvious expectation. Um, And that can be um, nerve-wracking. So that I think that is a definite uh, change. And I know Emerald took over sort of show running for season two. Has that felt different? Has it sort of felt like a continuation? Does it feel different in any way? It's felt like both, actually. Um, It's felt different because Emerald is a wonderful writer within her own right, you know, and and, um, her and Phoebe are different people, but are actually very good friends and are both extremely naughty and (laughs) hilariously funny. So... Although it's different, there has definitely been that continuation of, of tone, of 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 um, you know, comedy and darkness, and so it, there has definitely been a shift, which I think also is a reflection of where the characters are now. Yeah. You know, the story has definitely changed. These women are changed; they're altered, and um, and as a result of that, the story is so. Um, you know, I, I love what Sandra says. She's like, TV's like a living, breathing thing, and it's always changing, and, and, and we've definitely, you know, embraced that. When people, like, do encounter you, on like, people recognize you or such, what do people usually say? What do people want to, like, are there lines from the show people, like, want to, like, scream at you? or what? Well, People sometimes ask me to do the accent, and I'm like, <laughs> no. You're like, I'm not going to uncommit. No. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. no, 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 I can't. Um, or like quite recently I had <laughs> someone ask for a picture and then ask me to strangle them. Oh my God. <laughs> my purpose was like, no, she's not going to do that. <laughs> I don't think that's, that's <laughs> yeah. going to land you in like page six yeah, immediately. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's, yeah, a, that's yeah. a headline waiting to happen. <laughs> um, but you know, the enthusiasm is there and, and you know, you can see that, which is, is lovely, but everyone's just always kind of telling me how much they've enjoyed 
enjoyed watching it. Yeah. Yeah. Did, did the accents come naturally to you? Is that something you've done your whole acting career? Or is it because you flip so, there's so many that you're yeah. like flipping between, I feel like. Accents are always something I've done kind of jokingly with my dad growing up. Like as a, a kid, I would always do impressions or if there was an advert on the television, we would always kind of mimic it. And yeah. So I think as a result of doing that, I've kind of somehow created like a good ear for it. Some accents are easier than others. <laughs> Um, languages are a completely different kettle of fish. Like, I don't speak any languages. When I auditioned, it was, you know, she speaks many languages. And, you know, when someone says that to you in an audition room, it's like if they say, can you ride a horse? You say, absolutely. (laughs) And then you worry about learning to ride a horse when you've got the Mm -hmm. role. So I was like, yeah, sure. And And then I slowly realized that as I got each episode through, that they weren't lying. And I was like, okay, work starts here. Um, wait, wait, so did you, did you have to like learn French or how did well, you go about I, it? No, or, I learned my lines. You learned what you had. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah exactly. And I would definitely not be able to remember <laughs> um, any of any of that now. You know, I'd learn the lines in English and then I would learn it phonetically and that seemed to be wow. the easiest way. Yeah. Well, on this podcast, we love talking about kind of our pop culture obsessions. I'm mm-hmm. curious, what are yours? Are there any TV shows you are obsessed with? Any celebrities you track? At the minute, I've recently started watching Stranger Things. Ooh. I'm so behind. I realize that. You're like, <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I, so I like behind. it. What are your obsessions? Give me an insight as to what, what road I should be going down. We love talking about the British Royals, which oh, yeah. as oh, really? a Brit- yes, are you are you into them at all? I mean, no? I'm a Harry fan. Yeah, <laughs> I'm Who a fan isn't? of Prince. He's such a That's what I mean. Fun guy. Yeah. Like he's he's. I'm more of a fan of Harry than 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 everyone collectively. Have you met? And not that ever. I don't know why I assume everyone in Britain would have like met the Royals. No, but have you I know. Met? Any of them? I know. I haven't. I haven't. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. Um, At some point soon, I bet you will. We were lit- I was literally having this conversation with someone the other day, actually. They were like, if you had met the Queen, I would be so impressed. And I was like, sorry to disappoint. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> and Emerald's going to be in The Crown, right? Do I have that right? Yeah, she yeah, is. She's playing, she's playing Camilla. Camilla, right? Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. so. Yes. Julia's our resident Crown expert, but yeah. Uh, I, yeah. Are you, have you I'm seen so any excited. of that? I've seen the first yeah. series. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which was incredible. Yeah. So good. I always say Killing Eve when people ask me what show they're on. Do you so really? I, oh, I say Killing nice. Eve. I love. I, after Killing Eve, I watched Fleabag because I haven't seen it before. So Fleabag's got, incredible. Uh, and she's, the, and she's there's going to be a series two of that, right? Yeah, it's yeah. actually out in the UK at the minute. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. think it hasn't played. I don't think it's played in the US. No, yet. I yeah. think it'll probably probably uh, go out there first, and then it'll probably be on. I think it's on Amazon, is it over here? Yes, I think so. Or the first, at least the first season. Yeah, was. it's so brilliant. And like, I hear her. Have you seen her one woman show? Or, no, I'm going on Saturday. Amazing. I'm so excited. Everyone on my Instagram feed is posting the playbill. Like, everyone's trying to get out to see Fleabag. I feel like like we are witnessing, like, the birth of one of the greatest people to ever live. You know what I mean? Like, she is a legend. Working with her, what would you say is, like, what what are your take? Like, when people ask you about Phoebe, like, what are your, like, do you have, like, an anecdote or take? Like, what what she's about (sighs) to work with or, like, what makes her so special? What, What I love about Phoebe and, um... And I think is so ridiculously attractive about her is that she is so comfortable within herself, in her own skin. Mm. At least you know she yeah. you know she might say different, but to me there um, there is just a confidence around her that I is I wish I had, <laughs> you know. And um, 
it's so infectious. Like when you were around her, if there was a table full of people, it's just like, you know, every, every single one yeah. of those people around that table wants to sit next to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and she just, she does have a lovely energy about her and you're always guaranteed a lot of laughs when, when uh, you're in her company. But I think what I learned most about Phoebe and, you know, being on set with her for like the kind of start of Killing Eve was, um, especially when approaching Villanelle, was that there is a freedom within Villanelle and Villanelle doesn't care about what people think. And, you know, I definitely do. And um, in order to play that, I had to really shed that from myself. And Phoebe really encouraged me to, like, take risks on set. You know, she was like, okay, we're going to try this. It could be really, really bad. If it is, we will pretend it never happened. However, let's give it a go. And, Mm. like, nine times out of ten, when you did that and just allowed yourself to, like, just to take a risk and dare to do something, you always find something that's a little bit genius and a bit Mm. magic. Um, And and that's what I take, I took from my experience of, of working with her was just to... Yeah, just to be a bit that, like, fearless. Freedom, yeah, 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 yeah. And it's hard, you know, especially in, like this day and age where we're all so kind of, you know, anxiety is through the roof and we're always worried about what everyone is thinking about us. But yeah, I, I, I learned that from her. You speaking about that made me think for some reason about social media and like kind of like yeah. the, when, it, when you brought up insecurities, I'm like always feeling like looking at what other people are doing. Are you, I know you're on Instagram yeah. and such, but do you enjoy all of that stuff? Is that something I know is like when, as your profile gets bigger and bigger, yeah. I'm sure you have to think about like what you're posting more and that sort of thing. Or? I do, I do. And it, I think it's hard because it's like trying to find a balance of, um, like I, I definitely want to keep my private life as private as I can. But then I understand that for, you know, some people, if you're just posting like promos and like, oh, look like, at I me. I want to know what she does in her Yeah, downtime. look yeah. at me in a fancy <laughs> magazine cover. It's like, okay, we get that. But like, who are you? Yeah. Um. So I'm trying to navigate that, you know, while also kind of trying to keep, you know, keep what I want for myself, but then also, you know, engage with people because the fans, especially for Killing Eve, are the ones who spread the word. And, and you mm-hmm. know, we, we owe so much to the people who support us and champion us. And so I definitely want to make that relationship. It's just It's just like being cautious of just how... You don't want How to much? share. Yeah, yeah, it's important to keep, I'm sure, something yeah, to yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it's fun, I think, yeah. Right. How does Villanelle and Eve's relationship continue to evolve in this next season? Oh, that's a whole thing. <laughs> um, what I think is fascinating about the kind of what we've explored between Eve and Villanelle is, you know, we... We pick up the series 30 seconds from where we left off. Um, I'm stabbed. I have a lot less blood than what I did in episode eight of uh, season one. And both women are kind of just reeling from the events of what have just happened. Villanelle is like on a fight for survival. She very, is very much fearing for her life and, and, and uh, needs help, but realizes she's in a lot of trouble and has to get as far away, as far away from the situation as she possibly can. And what I think is is really interesting is finding out what this action, this stabbing means to Villanelle. How does that now connect her with Eve? Mm. What relationship has this now formed? You know, um, does she understand Eve? Does she forgive her? You know, 
that is what kind of really shapes the the relationship between the two of them going forward. And, you know, ultimately these women are forced to be in contact a little bit more. Um, and, and, you know, just this impossible relationship, you know, what is it and, and can it be ultimately is, uh, yeah. It's so interesting to me because you guys don't share that much screen time, but yet yeah. it feels like the most like intense dynamic I've like seen on television. And how do you guys, do you and Sandra work on that? Because you don't mm. actually like, you're not together that no. often. Like, is that something you think about when you're like, working on breaking down episodes and things? Or does uh, it just happen naturally? I feel like it, if anything, it kind of helps. Mm. Like, Strangely. Build the tension up or yeah, something? Yeah, because we, I mean, me and Sandra, we get on very well and we spend a lot of time together when we're doing press and, you know, within within the filming period because we're working on scripts and everything else. But that absence is also what these characters experience. So it, it kind of just makes those moments even bigger. You know, the energy is palpable and it's like the, there is definitely a weight to what we're doing. So it kind of helps that the... the, the yeah, it kind of helps with the tension. We definitely felt that within season one when, you know, they meet for the first time at, uh. at the dinner table because I think we'd only shot one scene before that where they briefly meet in the bathroom um, for, like, a split second. And, and when we got to the day, it was like, you know, even the whole crew were like, whoa, this is a big, big moment. Um, so, yeah. And you feel it in that scene. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it's great when you work with actors that... It's the same with Kim Bodnia, like, oh, my God, that man. Like, at the moment I met him and we did half a scene, we both just kind of looked at each other and there was just a moment that passed where we were like... This is working. This is this is going to be fun. Like, it doesn't happen with everyone and, and that's okay, but it kind of makes those moments even more special when you meet someone and you're like, yes, like, we just, you just get each other, so... Yeah. When you were growing up, or even now, who are your acting like role? Do you have people that you always looked up to as actors or actresses that were like, I I would love to have not necessarily like the exact same career or anything, but just yeah. like people that you really looked up to when yes. you were as role um, Julie Walters. Mm. I say this in every interview. But I really mean it. <laughs> I just I love her so much because I think she she can do anything and yeah. she has done everything and she's explored everything and uh, I think she's so charismatic and. Um, do you have a favorite performance of hers, or? Oh, I educating Rita. I haven't seen that. I need to get. Oh on my it. god, it's so. so beautiful. I love that film so much. Um, Samantha Morton also. Oh. I remember when I I watched Morven Color for the first time, and must have been in like I don't know, maybe sixteen, seventeen, and and that was the, you know, the first time I, I didn't. Something happened to me when I watched that, and I was like, whoa, that <sighs> is what. That's what I want to do. Like, I hadn't seen acting like what she'd done before, and and that really, really inspired me. Mm. And I know you have, uh, I don't know how much you can say about it, but you're working with Ryan Reynolds on a comedy coming out next year, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that where, you you haven't filmed that yet? No, no, we're about to start that around uh, May time. Yeah. Are you excited to do something? I mean, that sounds very different from Killing Eve. Yeah, I am. I really, really am. Um... Especially because I'd never done like a feature film before and I felt so ready to and the opportunity just never, you know, yeah. it just didn't, never worked out. But I always believe like it does when the time is right and, you know, for the for the right reasons and people and 
yeah, Sean Levy's directing, um, and Ryan uh, plays a background character within a video game, and he thinks his life is, you know, has this bigger purpose, and um, comes to the realization that he is in fact in a video game. Um, and I meet him through the game as a as an avatar called Molotov Girl. Um, but in the real world, I'm a girl called Millie, and I actually uh, programmed the game, but I had my co- code stolen. So it's it's all Ooh. about them coming together to fight to save his world and hers, essentially. Uh, but it's a lot of fun. Oh, I really yeah. I love that. I know. Well, that's yeah. a really cool concept. It's super fun. Have you gotten to meet him yet or talked to him about the project yet? Or what is it? Yeah, I actually, so I wrapped on Killing Eve, like, the 16th of December. And then I flew to New York on the 17th to read with him. And then I flew straight home. And then, yeah, found out like a week later, Sean rang me and he was like, hey, want to be in a movie? And I was like, ah, (laughs) yes, please. so it was it was um it was lovely as well I, like the energy when I went in that room you know it's a long it's a long flight to go audition and overthink things and and uh, Sean and Ryan were it was a very relaxed chilled kind of it felt like a like a workshop you know it was yeah. very encouraging and it was a really fun fun day so I'm glad it worked out is it going to film in New York or LA or It's uh it's going to film in Boston. Oh. Which I've never been. I'm never from been. Boston actually. No way. Mm-hmm. You can give me some I know, I'll give some you some tips. tips. Yeah. It's a good lots of things are filming in Boston these days. Really? Yeah, it's a good. You'll have a great time there. Yeah, I'm there for a little while so. Yeah, you'll figure it. Out. It's yeah. a, it's nice cuz it's sort of like New York but a little it's what bit everyone says, a little smaller. Bit smaller scale. Yeah. yeah, a little more manageable. More maybe, doable, actually. yeah. A little neighborhoody, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll send you some good like brunch yeah, spots food. or something. Yeah, yeah food. Yeah, yeah. I'm all about the food. Yeah. And like it won't be if it's in the summer, it won't be. It's bad in the winter, but if yeah. It's well, in that the was summer, the first thing everyone was when I said I'm going to Boston. They were like, "Oh, what month?" And then I was like, "June." They're like, "Oh, you'll be fine." Yeah, <laughs> it's very if like I don't I barely can like want to go home to visit my parents in the winter. It's like so really? cold. Yeah. But oh gosh. It makes New York seem like Miami or something. But then, <laughs> but now you'll, you'll be great in the summer. Though yeah. it's gonna be hot. It's, it can get. I know. Well, this is the thing. I don't. I. I'm 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 British, so I like to moan about the weather a lot. Like <laughs> if it's too hot, I'm like, if it's too cold, I'm moaning then as well. Yeah, it's gonna be just right. So it sounds like that is like a huge to be in your first feature film. And you have other sort of like act, like dream sort of role or things that you just really would love to do someday. Whether it be like directors you'd want to work with or just kind of like things you'd want to approach. My dream role. We were actually singing a lot of uh, musical songs on the way here in the car. Oh, um, musical. I'd love to play Nancy and Oliver. Ooh. That's like Ooh. Mm, my dream. Are you do you have a singing background? I'm not can, bad. Yeah, I'm sure I'm you're amazing. Beyonce, I, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say I'm sure you're great. <laughs> I mean, especially, you know, they can they can edit things in film, can't they? They can they can help you out. Um, but no, I'd love to play Nancy and Oliver one day. Um, but for me, it's, it's always about scripts and and um because I feel like after I finish a project my you know I want to go somewhere else and it just fluctuates and changes depending and you know I want something to make me feel a certain way um and that's what I try to seek out when I'm you know I'd love to do theater as well my options are open like I want to I want to keep my yeah 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 but um yeah just something that you know provokes an emotion in me and I think will hopefully do that to to the audience so are watching mm. oh I, I can't wait to see you on stage i'm gonna will this uh, into the universe yeah, let's put it out there <laughs> yeah um well jody thank you so much for coming today thank this was you. so fun um yes. we are all so excited about everyone needs if you're not if you're listening 
who isn't watching yeah. Killing Eve at this point? They're, but they're uh, like living in a cave. If you if you <laughs> haven't gotten to it yet, make sure you catch up. Uh, I guess April seventh is the first episode mm-hmm. for season two. Yes. Um, and then how many? It's like eight episodes, right? Yeah, yeah. eight episodes. So yeah, and then um, will you, uh, will there be a season three? Do we know yet? We don't know yet. We don't know yet. Okay. Fingers, toes, eyeballs, Everything. legs, right. arms. Crossed. I think it's a safe bet. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's not. It's a pretty. Uh, uh, yeah. Um. Well, thanks so much for being here Thank today. You. Yeah. For having so me. fun. That does it for this week's episode of In the Limelight. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please remember to rate, review, check us out on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate it. It helps us find new listeners. You can also reach out to us and leave us a voicemail at 347-790-0966. Also feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at In the Limelight or follow us individually. I'm at Julie W. Miller. And I'm at Jay Duboff. We're also on Instagram at In the Limelight Pod. This episode was edited and produced by Brett Fuchs. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next week. And until then, no no bad bad energy. energy.